Bibi Fahodier, welcome to the African Liberation Media Podcast. Media solely focused on the liberation and empowerment of African people. I'm your host, Gullah Jack, a.k.a. Russell Swilly. Let's get to it. Good evening. This is the African Liberation Media. I'm here with brothers Amos and brothers Makaru, historians, technicians, extraordinaire. We're dealing with the COVID-19 epidemic. It's a sad, sad spectacle. I'm personally aware of a family, brother Walter Andrews from Bay Harbor, Florida, lost his wife, lost his father-in-law and lost his daughter in this pandemic. You know, sadly, we got a situation where these end of life situations, people are dying alone. What will we do going forward? You know, clearly there's a sanity index that uh, we have to concern ourselves with. You cannot ask people to stay in the house all day with two, three, seven kids. You know, perhaps summer school will be an option. Uh, People are looking for some relief. Clearly, government will have to operate in conjunction with businesses to uh, devise a plan to ensure economic uh, solvency as well as uh, safety. Uh, What are we going to do about the situation where people are eager to see this new revamped uh, Carolina Panthers team. You know, the question of it is, is can the owners make a, a profit with TV revenue? Are college programs, are they just solely dependent on seating for their revenue? You know, what's going to happen? And uh, sadly, but predictably, the uh, government of the United States uh, could care less about people who are in or headed for dire strait. We are getting pennies on the dollar in comparison to the uh, major corporations who are getting trillions of dollars in terms of uh, boycott, in, in terms of buyouts, I'm sorry. Uh, both parties have failed uh, the American public in general. Uh, take it wherever you want to take it, brothers. Well, let me go ahead with uh, this story uh, okay. out of uh, out of Michigan that's that's related to what you were talking about, and, and Brother almost sent this to me, um, and I titled it Death by Medical Neglect. Gary Fowler, 56, went to the emergency room, emergency rooms of three metro Detroit hospitals in the weeks leading up to his death, begging for a coronavirus test, begging for help because he was having difficulty breathing, but he was repeatedly turned away. He died in a blue recliner of the novel coronavirus in his Michigan home. He tells them, my father has the coronavirus test because I'm showing symptoms, I'm coughing, his son said. He had a fever of 101, he had shortness of breath, he was showing all of the signs. They tell him, sir, more than likely that fever is from bronchitis, and they tell him to go home. But they also give my dad a piece of paper saying to act like you have the virus. So the brother went to three hospitals. He was turned away by all three. And it raises a question uh, to us as is this part of the reason why we have uh, these disparities in terms of uh, infections and deaths affecting uh, people of African descent here in the United States? Uh, I just posed the question, what can we do in a situation like this? Call the media and tell them you're going back to the hospital with protest signs. The media might not show. So have a family member filming the protest on Facebook Live. The protest may get you arrested, but hopefully they don't want you in jail. Maybe you can force them to test you. But the bottom line is we just can't accept no for an answer. You got to do something. I don't have a sit-in or whatever. Uh, but you know, we, we, we see a lot of 
cases like this, I mean, these are just the ones being reported, sort of like the Innocence Project, you know, these few people that they, 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 they are able to get out compared to who, who knows how many that uh, are serving time being, you know, falsely accused, wrongfully convicted and all that. It, it, it just seems, it's, it's across the board, really, when it comes to African people and the situation that uh, happened with uh, Brother Fowler, 56, and his father, who also passed, who was in his 70s, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's incredible. At the same time, man, I see these pictures of people crowded in the houses, partying and carrying on. I mean, it's like, I, you know, I, I just wonder sometimes, you know, what what's going through our minds. I mean, it's like a double-edged sword. In one, in, in, in one sense, uh, you know, we are self-inflicting. And on the other sense, you know, it's, we're being medically neglected by the establishment, medical apartheid all over again. So, you know, that was just one piece I had on on COVID-19, and I'll, I'll come back to some other stuff a little bit later. I, I did have the book, uh, Medical Apartheid, but I gave it away to a, a young person because as I read it, you know, the uh, reoccurring thought to me is, all of this is true, now what can we do about it? It's out of a sense of frustration. I gave away the book of there has to be a form of organized resistance and we have to come to the realization that um, resistance requires suffering. Bottom line, you know, we cannot depend on the Democratic Party to save us. You know, in any aspect of uh, the difficulty that we will encounter uh, as we continue to make our sojourn through this situation yeah to add on to that it was a like you said there have been a lot of cases but there was another case in detroit uh where there was a five-year-old girl named skylar herbert and she i saw that brother she went to the doctor and they they told her that she had strep throat and they sent her home and then it was, it was later found that she had coronavirus which then forced her to be put on a ventilator and it spread to her brain and caused meningitis and then her parents decided to go ahead and pretty much take her off of life support so these are key factors or key examples that make you question if the number of black people that are dying are due to medical, medical neglect fear, and there have been a number of other people that have gone in and tried to get tested for coronavirus, black people that is, and have been turned away only to say, you know, go home, stay at home. And are white people being treated the same way? Or is more attention being given to whites to try to heal them or, or uh, help them recover from the disease? So you already pretty much know that if doctors didn't care about black people before this pandemic, then it's highly probable that black people are being medically neglected and mistreated while this pandemic is going on. Right. I don't doubt it one bit, brother. And then on top of that, um, the... The woman on Fauci's team in the lead for the vaccine, um, let me see if I can pull her name. I, I believe it's uh, Kizzy. Yeah. Kizamikia uh, Corbett. Yes, Kizamikia Corbett. Uh, yeah. Kizamikia Corbett, uh, she got questioned for some of her tweets that she sent out. And um, immediately when I saw her interview on CNN, just looking at the interview and looking at the questions that she was being asked, her responses, and then how I know CNN is one of the worst mainstream media networks out there. 
it seems to me that she is a a plant by Europeans to use as a black face on this potential vaccine that they want to distribute to the world. A lot of people on social media retweeted a lot of the tweets that Tariq Nasheed sent out about a mysterious account that she had prior to the account that she currently has now where she seemed to be a self-hating um, black woman who was interested in dating white males and pretty much hated black people. You can go online and Google okay. and read read some of the tweets that she wrote on that old account. But um, it seems as though to try to establish some black credibility with the people, now they have her tweeting things like the coronavirus could be, you know, black genocide or saying that some people say that it's genocide, but I plead the fifth and talking about white privilege. And they often do this. They throw out somebody in front of us and they start talking a little bit of black talk. And then we automatically lower our guard down and think that these people are strong when they really they are our enemies. For her to have a complete 360 like that in only a few years, Either she experienced some type of extreme wake-up call and became conscious about what was going on around her, or she's been used as a tool to lower the guard of black people, not only here, but what they really want to target is the African continent for depopulation so that they can control those resources. She's being used as that tool to be the face of this vaccination. And also... At this point, I believe anybody associated with Anthony Fauci is questionable to me. Okay. Black, white, Chinese, or whatever. It seems as though Fauci's entire plan has been to create this going all the way back to 2014. And the reports that came out that said that uh, after the U.S. banned the research on creating more deadlier viruses like SARS, MERS, and influenza, then a $3.7 million grant was sent by Fauci's organization to Wuhan, where they were doing the studies in the Wuhan lab on bat coronaviruses. Okay. Fauci also gave a speech where he talked about how the next president or he was referring to Donald Trump would have to deal with an outbreak or a pandemic. He said there would be a surprise pandemic that would take place. So it's, it's very questionable for someone to be able to predict that this is going to take place. No, this is going to take place. And then, uh, Kismikia Corbett goes on CNN and says, well, yeah, we've been preparing for this since uh 2014 2015 this is why we have such a head start on getting this vaccine ready so she's on fauci's team and fauci who also was linked to hiv in the 80s um on that original uh research and going back to saying that it came from a man being bitten by uh an ape or monkey in africa Fauci has always been used or utilized by the elite who want to depopulate the planet, specifically the African continent. And his number one goal for his career is to create a worldwide accepted vaccination that I think only the start of it will be a coronavirus vaccination. Eventually, I believe they want to get the entire world on the same vaccination plan. We're not saying that vaccines are totally bad, but what we are saying is that vaccines have been used as a tool to kill a lot of African people. So I just wanted to put that out there for anyone who was looking at Dr. Corbett and somehow misthinking that she is our friend. We should be very careful about, you know, how we view her we should look more for safe and healthy treatments from this virus than 
taking a vaccination, especially countries where you know they want to target for depopulation. Yeah, you know the interesting thing. Uh, she she made she made those. She's actually from uh, Hillsboro, uh, North Carolina. She did her. She did her uh, PhD work at, at at Chapel Hill, where there was one of these studies that was going on uh, with uh, with. Uh, the uh, I think it was SARS or one of the coronaviruses, um, but she she actually uh, studied under um, uh, this guy that uh, was one of my daughter's chemistry professors at uh, Tuskegee, Dr. Russell, uh, a relative of the infamous Jamarcus Russell. Believe it or not, um, oh my a, God, has a highly educated family. Uh, yeah, one of our one of uh, my daughter's uh, chemistry professors at Tuskegee is, I think, uh, Jamarcus's uncle, I believe. But okay. I, I, was, I was wondering if she had a rude awakening uh, and said some things that she hoped maybe would get her fired and removed from her position because she didn't want to be used uh become the uh the new version of uh miss evers nurse uh Evers from uh from the tuskegee eunice evers wasn't her name was the name evers or rivers uh, uh evers i believe <clears throat> yeah from uh from tuskegee i i was i was just wondering if that um if that uh if, if that was what prompted her because she said some things i mean when you when you start criticizing trump that's a good way to get removed but I, you know i haven't i heard she was being investigated but then again the whole thing could be a ruse that's the position that we that's the position that we're in right now and you know along those lines the uh, president of um of madagascar uh, said that uh, they had developed a, a treatment. Yeah. Developed by the Malagasy Institute of Applied Research and branded COVID Organics, President Rajolina, Rajolina presented. This guy looked like he could, he looks like an a Asian mixture and I think that's the population of Madagascar. A lot of it is from Asia. Presented the uh, so-called remedy to the press on Monday. It contains Artemisia, a plant cultivated on the Big Island to fight against malaria. All trials and tests have been conducted and its effectiveness in reducing the elimination of symptoms has been proven for the treatment of patients with COVID-19 in Madagascar, the president said. The presidential decree said COVID organics is mandatory for children returning to school on Wednesday. The president said that, uh, that it had cured two COVID-19 cases. They don't have but a few cases over there. The COVID organics will be distributed free of charge to our most vulnerable compatriots. It's sold at very low prices to others. All profits will be no donated to uh, the uh, the research institute uh, for for more scientific research. Um, so so we know that there there has never been uh, any uh, vaccine for any of the ro the world's uh, coronaviruses. Uh, it would be fantastic if this medicine uh, can can be effective, and you know. Uh, why not try something that uh, that is plant-based? Uh, because um, this other medicine, the one that was touted by uh, by Trump, was also uh, it was a malaria medicine, wasn't it? Uh, almost hydrochloronic, uh, hydroxychloronic, or something. I think it was also it was also a. I think it was, was, also, it was, also a, um, it was hydrochloroquine. Uh, Chloroquine, yeah, yeah. Um, and the test that they ran on 
on people in France, a lot of people wound up with uh, serious heart problems. And that's why you haven't heard uh, Donald Trump talking about that that here recently. So, you know, hey, look, you got the you got the interferon Alpha 2B out of Cuba, which they refuse to use here in the United States. I see uh, Cuba just sent uh, 217 uh, doctors, nurses, uh, epidemiologists, other medical uh, experts to uh, South Africa to help them. Hopefully they took the, um, the medicine from Cuba with them. I would trust anything rather than trusting uh, what's being developed by these people. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, even though a lot of us, you know, received as kids, uh, you know, the polio vaccine, uh, we received, uh, some of us received the uh, tuberculosis vaccine. And um, so, you know, you can't dump all vaccines in the same barrel but when but when you but when when you, you're talking about something that historically takes years historically takes years five ten years i mean they have been working since uh i'd say ebola was first discovered around 1976 and one one of one of the uh vaccines that failed uh, to be effective against Ebola is also being used, is being given to people on a trial basis here. But here it is, uh, 2020, and they they just now believe that they have, you know, found an effective vaccine. They thought the the doctor over there was saying that uh, in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, where the current outbreak of Ebola is, was saying that they were going to declare the uh, the, the the epidemic, you know, the the virus totally under control. But then five people, you know, turned up uh, turned up with it. So, but I mean, like I'm saying, so they've been working here. Here it is, you know, what forty years later, and they still haven't found, you know, they think they may finally have found something, but look for all these years of trying different things. Tests have been run, run on hundreds of thousands of people in Africa uh, with these various vaccines to try to find something for Ebola. And, you know, who knows, uh, you, you could have a situation where in, in, in some instances the vaccine is actually more harmful and kills more people than uh, than the virus itself. So that's really really something to, to be concerned about. And I mean, if well, that's it's, exactly it, that's exactly what's going to happen is they're going to kill more people and then blame it on coronavirus. But it's going to actually going to be the vaccine that kills the people. And what you have to worry about is are they really giving people the same vaccine that they're giving to themselves? That's the big question. Or, are, or, or is it something else in the needle that they're putting in the arms of African people? Well, for, first of all, on the African continent, the African continent should should reject all <laughs> vaccines just, just because, number one, the history, but, but because they they have the capability of developing developing things themselves and and they they will know you know just like you know when we plant our own gardens we know what we put in the ground okay we don't we, we you know we we don't use hmo seeds for example you know we don't we don't use seeds you know it's like they put they put um they put a lot of herbicides in seeds and you know for, for for mass production my dad used to always say that if if a bug or a worm don't want it you don't want it when he would plant his garden <laughs> you know and i've seen people like you know well you know there, there are a few holes in the leaves of of the of 
of your your greens, your mustard greens or something like that. Oh, I'm throwing that away because the insect was on it. No. So, so it so for that reason, number one, because of the of the low the, the low amount of infections and deaths on the continent, they have time, in my opinion, to develop things themselves. I mean, who knows? This medicine out of Madagascar may work, or they may come up with something else. But they should categorically reject anything that comes from the uh, uh, the United States, uh, the, the World Health Organization, the Center for Disease Control, Bill Gates, or whoever, and 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 rely on things for themselves. Now, in the United States, they could pass laws and things that could put people in a real bind uh, in terms of you know, things like travel and other kinds of things, but uh, the bottom, you know, the, the, the concern, I mean, many, many epidemiologists have said it takes a long time and it doesn't, doesn't matter how long, well, we've been, we got a head start on it. Well, you know, you, do you really have a head? How do you have a head start on something that's supposed to be novel, right? right. Uh, SARS didn't stay around long enough well, they got a head start on it because it, and I have to. They already, it already created it. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think uh, Irritated Jiggly had the best title for it. The, is this a pandemic or a plandemic? <laughs> That's a good one. That is a, that is a good one. That is, that's a good I like one. That. But yeah, I mean, I think um, when we look across the board at, how they downplay i was watching an interview with uh bill gates on msnbc and you can just look at the body language and the enthusiasm that they put behind wanting to develop a vaccine and how they downplay developing a treatment or a uh cure for it but you know here's here's, here's the other thing it's like if this, in fact, is a novel virus, as they say, if it is, if it's not something that was manufactured, then every year, for example, they want you to take a flu shot. Why? Because the, the, there are so many different strains of the flu. And so you can, you can take a flu shot and still wind up with influenza because it's a different strain. They, 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 take a, they take a wild guess. You know, they, 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 they crunch the numbers and they say, okay, is it going to be H1N1, H1N5? Is it going to be, you know, the, uh, some, other type of, uh, some other type of flu? I, I, remember, I remember back in the 70s when they came out with the swine flu. You better go get your swine flu shot. Swine flu, and, you know, it turned out to be, you know, it was... It was nothing, really. Um, and they give but, it out for free, too. That's always been questionable to me. When you see Walgreens and CES uh, say, get, get your flu shot for free. <laughs> yeah. If they give it out something for free to the general public, especially in our communities, most of the times you know it's not good. Absolutely. It's to their benefit. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. Uh, we uh, had Brother Obi on last week, and we didn't we didn't uh, discuss this. I had actually seen this on Dr. Cynthia McKinney's page about this uh, Cuban-trained uh, doctor, his sister, Dr. Melissa Barber, who's working in the South Bronx. And we titled this, uh, The Cuban Model, People-Centric Versus Profit-Driven Healthcare. In the South Bronx, Dr. Melissa Barber is putting into practice lessons she learned more than a decade ago from her training as a medical student in Cuba at the Latin America School for, uh, uh, for Medicine. For Dr. Barber, healthcare doesn't start with an ambulance ride to the hospital, but with community organizing and a deep familiarity with the needs of one's neighbors. Anyone who has been trained in the Cuban health system knows how to assess a community's health and in an emergency situation, survey what's going on. It's about being able to assess 
who are the vulnerable people that are susceptible to this disease and keeping an eye out in case that may arise. We wanna make sure nobody falls through the cracks and make sure that we have all the supplies that may be needed if people need to self-contain or to help themselves until they can get to the hospital where they can be appropriately treated. Uh, that would be that would be a stretch, but let, you know that's theoretically what's supposed to happen. One of the biggest ideas that came from the Cuban Revolution was that everyone has a human right, should have access to health care, and should have access to education. So Cuba has prided itself in making sure that these are the that these are the were the very pillars of the revolution, and that their people would always have access to health care and education. So that's what happens when you have a country that, that cares about people rather, rather than profits, uh, what Dr. King called the thingification of, uh, of the economy or of a society. Hum human beings are just, are just things. And you know once they serve their purpose to produce profits, then they're cast to the wayside. Yeah, what I find interesting about these protests that a lot of these uh, so-called uh, MAGA people or American patriots are having, one of the things that we've seen about them, and that th since this is a disease that, that is primarily killing, uh, killing elderly people, primarily, uh, overwhelmingly, majority of people 60 plus years old, white America, white people have never cared about even old white people. I mean, that's why, like, you know, in our in our community for years, you know, we took care of our elderly in our homes. There were no such things. I mean, we used to call them nursing homes back then. We had very few of those. Uh, you know, there could be cases where it was just beyond the, the capacity. But in the years when we didn't have anything like that, we took care of people, and it's because the elders are so valued. The case in European culture, they really don't care. So the fact of the matter is that whether it's elderly people or whether they have done the statistics and say, if we reopen the economy and we get all these people back out there unconcerned, going about their businesses, not taking care uh, to, 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 to still be on high alert, then what we're going to do is eliminate a bunch of unwanted population. And you know that's and and and, and that's a, and that's a lot of what's driving it. and I think I think one of the things that's driving the power structure is they wonder how long it will be before there's you know some type of mass rebellion that forces them to have to shoot white people which they don't want to do. You're so right, they like would rather Michigan. sacrifice those people. Where was it up in Michigan where those would, uh, protests was taking place? Go ahead. Huh? No, I said you're right. It wasn't it up there in Michigan where those white people were protesting about reopening the economy? Yeah, well, they it's growing all across the country, you know, particularly once. Well, it, you know, in Michigan and in Minnesota, they. <laughs> They they walked into the Minnesota legislature like the like the Black, Black Panthers did in uh, California in uh, you know in uh, 1966 or 67 whenever they walked into the to the legislature there they walked in armed and they were on the steps of um, a courthouse or legislative office or somewhere in 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 Michigan armed. And so, yeah, I mean, but yeah, they are, these protests are springing up all over, all over the country now. And, you know, I think it's because, I, I, you know, I told my son that that's a, it's a sucker play. It's really, it's really a sucker play to see how many people they can really sucker into this because, you know, they, they may feel that they are not specifically vulnerable and they really don't care about those people who, would be more, perhaps more susceptible or the people who are not going to be treated. Um, maybe they've given them some kind of secret uh, medicine or whatever, vaccine, who knows? I'm, you just don't know. But, 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 what, but what we do know is that 
doesn't matter how how the government chooses to respond to this. I mean, we have to be vigilant and you know on guard, you know, for ourselves. That's what that's what we have to do. I mean, one one of the things that uh, that that I saw uh, from uh, from BuzzFeed, and it said that uh, that New York City's coronavirus essential workers are overwhelmingly people of color, uh, and you know, and 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 they and they gave they gave a lot of of uh, statistics of people, for example. Uh, people who work for the Metropolitan uh, Transportation Authority, seven, as of last Monday, 71 MTA employees have died of COVID-19, including about 20 who were bus drivers. Uh, and these people have been clamoring for masks and other things for weeks before before they were finally given given something. And one and one bus driver said they gave them one mask. Mm. One that they were supposed to use, uh, uh, they was they were supposed to use every day. Um, Black, Hispanic, and Asian people make up more than seventy percent of the city's essential workers, including transit, childcare, healthcare, cleaning service, and postal employees. More than forty percent of the transit workers are black, and sixty percent of the frontline cleaning workers are Hispanic, according to a report released by the uh, New York's uh, Comptroller. So the people, the, these are the people that have been on the front lines and they have been dying uh, in large numbers. I mean, it was just last week that Walmart finally required that their, all of their workers wear a mask. And, you know, one of the things I noticed when walking through various places that people are very, very lax when, they, when they're wearing masks. They got the mask down all, you know, around their mouth or their chin. I mean, it's crazy, man. It's just crazy. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the sad thing about it is people don't take it serious until either they get it or someone close to them gets it. Otherwise, if you're healthy, people think that they're invincible. So I see a number of people, black, white, all people, just walking, especially down here in Charlotte, just walking around as if nothing is going on. Just absolutely just pure insanity, man. Uh, there was a case that happened in uh, your area of the country, Gullah Jack, uh, Brunswick, Georgia, Glenn County, mm -hmm. Georgia. A brother by the name of Ahmad Marquez Aubrey. He spells his first name A H M A U D. Okay. His brother was apparently jogging through a neighborhood that was predominantly black. Uh, so we, we, we titled this Jogging While Black. This came from our contributor, uh, Sister Farrell Bradley. A case to keep our eyes on, an avid jogger was pursued by two white men and killed. No one has been charged. Aubrey 25 was killed around 1.08 p.m. on Sunday, February 23rd in the predominantly white Satilla Shores neighborhood after a confrontation with Gregory Mike McMichael and his son Travis, both of whom were armed, according to the Glenn County Police report of the incident. Gregory McMichael told county police that he and his son grabbed guns from Travis McMichael's house and pursued Aubrey after seeing him running down the street, according to the police report. The McMichaels told police they suspected Aubrey was burglarizing at home in the neighborhood. Now this is at 1 p.m. on a Sunday afternoon. And his brother's jogging down the street and they went into George Zimmerman mode. Uh, Gregory McMichael was armed with a 357 Magnum and Travis was armed with a shotgun. The two men hopped into a pickup truck and pursued Aubrey down Satilla Drive. Uh, the interesting thing about this when I was reading the report is that I, I don't know if this is a cul-de-sac neighborhood, you know, where there's like no way out, but he was running into the neighborhood and going further into the neighborhood rather than trying to run out of the neighborhood like somebody who had committed a crime and was trying to escape. This brother was just out on a jog. 
This brother was an outstanding high school football player. I don't know what happened to him. He got invited to uh, they have some kind of all-star game, Jack, uh, Jordan, the Florida, Georgia all-star game or something like that for high school players. Yeah, annually. Yeah, so That's he was correct. he was out he was an outstanding linebacker. He was chosen to play in that game. Um the two men shouted to Aubrey, stop, stop, we want to talk to you. Uh, they shouted once more, at which time Travis exited the truck with a shotgun. Uh, uh, the father said that there was a struggle over the possession of the gun. Who wouldn't struggle? You just out minding your business and here's a man jump out the freaking uh, truck with a, with, first of all, they're hollering at you, telling you to stop. Then he jumps out the truck with a shotgun. Quite naturally, why wouldn't you? Uh, anybody with common sense was going to try to save their lives. So, uh, in the process, uh, the shotgun. Look, this is how the media. This is how the media reported this. The shotgun fired twice. Was this some kind of magic shotgun? I mean, you know, is this like something uh, in one of these movies where the gun, the gun shoot by themselves? Or I mean. They said they shot gunfire twice, rather than saying he was he was shot twice by the man who was carrying the gun. Mm -hmm. Aubrey dropped to the ground and died on the scene. Okay, so uh, this guy, McMichael, is a former uh, police officer and investigator in Glenn County. So the Glenn County uh, prosecutor uh, recused himself or herself from the case, which was the honorable thing to do. Prosecutors should... They, Every state should have a special prosecutor law. The, 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 the regular prosecutors, district attorneys, or whatever, since uh, uh, there are few, so few like our sister up in Baltimore, they, they, should all, they should always be a special prosecutor for cases like this. But the, the, uh, the prosecutor there in Glenn County re recused herself or himself because they had former relationships with this guy when he worked on the police force. This is the same thing that the guy that was prosecuting um, uh, Darren Wilson, the guy that killed Michael Brown. He, I mean, you just you you can't do this. I mean, you 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 got you got to have somebody independent and and hope that they truly are independent and and oriented towards justice. Um, and so they sent the case to a uh, neighboring county. I forgot which county that was. But the, the, the family did some research on the DA in, in that county, and they asked that DA to remove himself from the case because they said he had connections also. And mm. that DA honorably, honorably removed himself. So I don't know why, or maybe I do know why, the Georgia Attorney General just wouldn't take the case into, into her office, but... Uh, uh, but she didn't. So, so now it's it's gone to uh, nearby Liberty County. The DA there has the case. But the but the fact of the matter. Okay, so the the brother was killed. They've done an autopsy. One of the DAs was saying, well, I, we wanted to do toxicology tests. Quite oh, now, it's always you know like okay, blame the victim. They wanted to do toxicology tests. Man's out jogging. Okay, then then uh then the, the DA said. We we wanted to see the trajectory of uh, he said the bullet. Well, I I, I don't know. Uh, you know, shotguns can fire slugs. Maybe that's maybe it was a maybe the shotgun was had a slug rather than buckshot or whatever. But he wanted to see the trajectory trajectory of the shot. I don't know what that has to do with it. But basically, this happened on February twenty third, and nothing. Nobody has been charged as they as they bounce this thing around from one DA uh, to another. So so we posted a link on our Facebook page. Uh, his family has has set up a uh, Facebook page called I Run with Maud, M-A-U-D. Apparently, like I said, they, they're saying this guy's an avid jogger and, and uh, some of his relatives are going out like taking two, three mile runs. Uh, in his honor, as they as they continue to fight for justice, uh, you know, for uh, this uh, 25 year old brother who was just gunned down like by a bunch of vigilantes, just like George Zimmerman gunned down Trayvon Martin. 
George Zimmer should have been charged with felony stalking because that's what he was doing. And the and the and the and the, and the dumb state's attorney down there came up with all these other charges. I mean, they 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 should have come up with something that would stick. I mean, assuming that you know the white supremacists on the jury don't you know don't wreck the case anyway. But uh, man, you know one of the, one of the things that and of course none of us expected, but COVID COVID nineteen has had no impact on the continuing uh violence against the people of african descent in this country and i got i got another story after this one but y'all can go ahead and come in on that i mean what can you say man it's uh you know the thing i'm struck by is they talk about unity across socioeconomic racial class lines but uh that's highly improbable, you know, given the history of um, antagonism that has always existed. You know, it doesn't matter what external threats are out there. Some of the old constants remain the same, the European constants. The more things change, the more they, uh, you know, remain the same. At best, we're talking about please that superficial uh, unity, uh, but the a group of Africans that have been forgotten, you know, which is usually the case is just uh, the brothers who are in greater confinement. This virus tears through prisons, workers, inmates at risk here in the United States, as well as, you know, the largest open air prison, which is Gaza. Uh, vulnerable brothers, man, were set free or sent home to home confinement to reduce the list, the, the risk of large-scale outbreaks. Uh, visitations in Rayford State Prison down south was, were, ha were halted and isolation wards were designated for uh, those who would be exposed. So that's something that uh, we have to uh, concern ourselves with more, the people who are in um, greater confinement who are exposed to this thing. To this thing. There have been some steps taken to ameliorate the problem, but uh, this is still a potential hazard. This is a hazard with the inmates being in close proximity to each other. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We have about 10 minutes left. I wanted to look at this situation in North Korea right now. Really, nobody knows what is going on and what's true information or not. I woke up to a hashtag yesterday morning and I was trending on Twitter saying Kim Jong-un dead. And some news reports are saying that he's in a vegetation state. Reports out of North Korea are saying that he is fine. Uh, reports out of South Korea is saying that they can't confirm that he is in a vegetative state or if he is uh, fine and well, but they have not had any reports that he has died. Being in his 30s, they said that he had a, a heart procedure, some type of cardiovascular surgery that was supposed to be a simple procedure. And I don't know what happened during the surgery, but now we don't know if he is struggling for his life or not. I think it's... it's um, it's something that we have to continue to monitor because we know that the relationship between North Korea, South Korea, and the United States is a very shaky one. Um, North Korea, Kim Jong-un is famously known for testing a lot of ballistic missiles and also um, stockpiling uh, nuclear weapons. And he's often stated that he'll never give up his weapons because he saw what happened to Muammar Gaddafi when he gave up his weapons. So right. uh, he's definitely a leader that the United States would want to die. Uh, that way, well, actually, probably South Korea would want him to die as well uh, to their benefit. So 
Uh, we don't know right now. We'll have to continue to do the research on this to see what may have caused him or caused his procedure or his surgery to go wrong or if he is even alive or if, or if he's dead. I mean, right now we just, we just really don't have any concrete information other than speculation. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I did see this brother, um, where Kim in the wake of a heart procedure was struggling, uh, for his life. Uh, and of course it would be of benefit to, uh, the West, specifically Europe and the United States, of course, not only the wealth and the strategic position, uh, markets uh, to exploit, you know, whenever, you know, capitalism uh, has run out of options, it tends to turn inwardly and cannibalize itself. You know, in the wake of this, uh, they have created a weakness that this uh, COVID-19 has been able to uh, take advantage of. Uh, we're talking about excessive greed, which creates breakages between the extremely rich and the extremely vulnerable. It was between that gap is where COVID-19 lives, between uh, those people who have uh, had their social safety net uh, destroyed over the past 40 years. You know, we can't put this all on Trump. You know, there's been a, uh, a, a consistent cannibalization of the social safety net, very few resources to use as a preventative mechanism to ward off, you know, the potential that these uh, viruses can rot. So all the breakages in the United States system made it uh, very vulnerable, made us very vulnerable. Black people, the people who are in ahead of a dire strait to be uh, at risk for this uh, pandemic to flourish. You know, suffice it to say, the virus lives between these, cap between these uh, gaps and cracks, breakages, socioeconomic breakages, breakages based on racism and white supremacy. And uh, what can be done, we have to do it on the grassroots level uh, to better fortify ourselves and so that we as a race of people can become more efficacious in dealing with uh, the pandemics that um, we'll be confronted with. Uh, going forward, we cannot rely on leadership. Uh, the black misleadership class, uh, and this is something that we're going to have to deal with. We have been warned to prepare for future outbreaks. Well, we know that the CIA in the United States is, they don't miss an opportunity of disposing of a leader when they get the opportunity to do so. I don't know if there's Absolutely. any way that they could have possibly interfered with his situation. But what we do know is that, and we talked about this on a previous program, in 2017, it was reported that North Korea had at least $6 trillion in mineral resources under the ground in their country. Some people no, estimated as high as ten trillion. So, mm. um, well, you know, brother, we hadn't really talked about the the Chinese. We talked about the infrastructure that they're building building in Africa, and I know a lot of people around barbershops and what have you. Uh, they tend to want to pay homage to uh, Beijing, but the question I, inver I invariably ask is, who are they building the infrastructure to for? You know, given the fact that. Uh, <laughs> You know, China the geographically is becoming overpopulated, even with the uh, one-child mandate. You know, it's conceivable that uh, they want to uh, move into Africa, given the uh, potential overflow of uh, Chinese. And China has Not been. China has also been at odds with North Korea. 
Okay. Uh, I remember China banned imports of gold from North Korea um, to try to to try to halt their uh, missile program. So what I'm what I'm what I'm hearing, brother, some of the highest cases of racism occurring on uh, throughout China. Uh, one commercial I understand uh, had a depiction of a African who was being washed and turned white as a result of uh, the power of enzymes in a detergent. Uh, yeah, we didn't get it. We, we didn't have time to get into that, but I'm glad you mentioned that because we're gonna have to go into that on the next program. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, they, this, they, they uh, walk past Africans and hold their noses. That's what I'm hearing now. Well, yeah, right now. And we, we'll probably go into this more in depth the next program. But right now in China, there have been multiple cases of racism against black people. In fact, one of the McDonald's in China actually posted a sign outside of the McDonald's that said black people are not allowed. Because they feel okay. like black people are infectious when it comes to the coronavirus. You have black Africans over in, in China right now that actually pay rent at apartments that are being kicked out of their own apartments mm -hmm. and put on the streets. Well, well, brothers, give us that iconic statement made by the great elder John Henry Clark. We have no friends. We have no friends out here. Yeah, you know, it, and the thing about it is, like you said, we'll have to get back into it, but th this this is becoming a, a public relations disaster for the Chinese government. I mean, you know, uh, for supposedly all of the quote-unquote goodwill they built up uh, on the African continent, obviously uh, motivated by their, their self-interest, I think, more so than anything. But the fact, the fact that they have failed to act uh, to control, you know, their populations, I mean, like you said, you got... Um, uh, in some of these cities, uh, you have signs that uh, that are reminiscent of uh, George Wallace's Alabama. Hey. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, and, and, and you have that kind of situation. But 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 we are running out of time. And I and I did want to I did want to bring up uh, something very positive that I participated in on Friday, uh, April the uh, the twenty fourth. Uh, they had a, a teach-in that was titled U.S. Empire versus Political Prisoners. And the uh, purpose of the event was to celebrate the 66th Earth Day or birthday of our comrade, our warrior, Mumia Abu-Jamal. Uh, it, 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 it was a tremendous uh, event uh, to, to, uh, to participate in. I just... Uh, tuned in uh via youtube i was able to make make a lot of a lot of comments but uh, some of the people on there uh were uh, for example chairman fred hampton jr russell maroon schultz jr come on uh Kyrie elamine the son of the revolutionary jamel uh elamine uh janet africa pam africa uh Mark Lamont Hill, Angela Davis, uh, with just uh, a few of the people, Johanna, uh, attorney Johanna Fernandez, who we've tried to get on here several times, uh, hosted the event, and along along with some other people, uh, it was it was just a very positive uh, event where you know people called out not only uh, the name of Mumia Abu Jamal, obviously, but uh, also. Uh, our, uh, all of our other political prisoners, uh, such as uh, Chip Fitzgerald, Matula Shakur, Sundiata Akoli, Jaleel Mutaquim, uh, Rochelle Sin, Sin, uh, Sin K. Uh, McGee, uh, Kamal Siddiqui, um, all of the uh, all all of the other uh, brothers that uh, that are still uh, in prison, uh, Jamil Elamine, uh, the brothers who are still in prison there. Uh, Seiko Odinga was on there, former former political prisoner. Uh, Bob Boyle, the lawyer who represented uh, Daruba Ben Wahad, was on there. It was it, it was just a, a, a tremendous program uh, to to participate in. Uh, Chris Smalls, the brother who organized the boycott, I mean the uh, the walkout of the Amazon workers who were being uh, 
forced to work under uh, very dangerous conditions. And this brother wound up getting fired for organizing a walkout. Uh, he was on there. Uh, the person that I was most impressed by was VJ Prashad. Uh, he, 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 he delivered a really uh, profound statement, which, uh, you know, I requested. I said, can you put this in print so that, uh, so that we can pass it on uh, to people? Uh, but yeah, they called out for uh, freedom for uh, Leonard Peltier, and uh, mm. and 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 many and many of the others. It, it was just a it was just an outstanding event, and it it just goes to show that you can use uh, some of the things that have that have been made available uh, to continue to raise consciousness, and 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 to do some to do some types of things uh, that 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 are very positive. Uh, one of the things that happened uh, last week. And uh, you, uh, Gullah Jack, you were just speaking about how the the the, uh, the conditions in these prisons are just a breeding ground, uh, you know, for all kinds of diseases. But particularly for this one uh, that's that suddenly uh, erupted. Someone in the prison in Pennsylvania where Mumia is being held sent out a note. Huntington, I, Huntington, is that right? I, I can't remember where it is now. But uh, they sent out a notice. Uh, jo Johanna Fernandez, Attorney Fernandez, Professor Hernandez was one of the people who received this notice. They said Mumia had been sent to a hospital to be treated for the coronavirus or COVID-19. And this, you, you can imagine, you can imagine you know, in uh, Mumia's family, all of all of his supporters, those uh, people around around the country and around the world, and it was a lie. They created all of this enormous stress, and it was a friggin' joke. It was a joke. Now, now we know that. You know, I published a I published a a blog post. Uh, a couple of years ago, when both Mumia and Jamil Elamine were were suffering, uh, I think Mumia may have had hepatitis. I can't remember. Uh, both of them were like just the the prison system was just saying, just basically, just let them die. You know, and I, I titled it "Death by Medical Neglect," which is where I got the got the term from that I that I'm that I'm still using. And uh, but 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 both of the brothers, obviously elderly. Uh, recovered and uh, should be released, but um, it, it was it was great to hear from his son. And uh, as a matter of fact, I'm gonna reach out to him and see if we can perhaps get him on uh, to give us the latest um, uh, information. You know about uh, you know how they're continuing to try to pursue justice for Jamil Elamine, and and of course, uh, you know there are some positive things that have been happening uh, with Mumil's case that could result could possibly result. But one of the things that somebody pointed out, I can't remember who it was now, they were talking about how difficult it is to win freedom, particularly when you have people that have been accused of or admitted to killing police officers under uh, a lot of times uh, situations of self-defense or because uh, the police have gunned down people in the streets and People like Russell Maroon Show said, you know, we're not going to tolerate this, <laughs> right? Just like somebody said, you know, somebody, something should have been done a long time ago about some of these people, and maybe some of this stuff wouldn't be going on today. But uh, one of the things that, that was said was that um, some of the police organizations are trying to get Herman Bell's parole revoked to send him back to prison. So um, it, was a, it was a very informative, very good uh uh, you know, just to to see, you know, a lot a lot of these uh, brothers and sisters, um, and um, it's supposed to be on um, when they publish the link on YouTube. You know, we'll be sure to send it out. But uh, it was a very positive and very very very. Uh, I was very glad to be able to participate in that. So I guess that's it. Uh, this has been the African Liberation Media Podcast which will be published tomorrow on uh, 
April the 27th and tune in to us uh, via via our African Liberation Media website and, and other sources. And please follow and like our Facebook page. We put out a lot of information that you that you just won't see discussed uh, in a lot of other places. Abiba Fahodie. Power or the lack of power. I want to repeat this. Power or the lack of power. If your education in this institution is not about gaining real power, not jobs, because your jobs do not represent power. Not getting elected, that does not represent power either. You are buying your houses and fine clothes does not represent power either. If it is not about real power, you are being miseducated and misled, and you will die educated and misled. If your study of black history is merely an exercise in feeling good about yourself, then you will die feeling good. The study of history then must be more than the pumping up of your self-esteem and the bumping up of your pride. Those things are important, but ultimately those things are not the means by which we will save ourselves as people in this world.